This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Kevin Farrell with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Levy Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Our guest today, Scott Lemons, director of freshwater programs at the Nature Conservancy of Mississippi. We're going to get an inside look today at Mississippi's first conservation reserve enhancement program. Also, we'll talk about breeding pets. How do you know when your pet may be ready for breeding? How do you know if your pet is pregnant? What's easier to breed, a cat or a dog? Join our conversation this morning with your calls, one eight seven seven mpb ring The phone number is one 672 You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and our guest today, Scott Lemons, director of freshwater programs at the Nature Conservancy of Mississippi. Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, has not made it in. Not sure if he's going to make it today or possibly just uh, stuck in traffic trying to make it to the studio, but hopefully uh, Dr. Major will be here before the end of the show. We are this morning going to uh, talk about Mississippi's first conservation reserve enhancement program. So if you have some questions about that or the work of the Nature Conservancy, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Always two chances to hear Creature Comforts on Thursday, uh, on, uh, each week. It airs Thursday mornings at 9 with a repeat broadcast Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning to you both. Hope that you're doing well. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Libby, you were just uh, checking on some things. So what's uh, what's up at the museum? Okay. Uh, first off, this coming Saturday, September the 10th, uh, master naturalist and bee expert or bee friend, I think she prefers to be called, <laughs> Jean Saja, and she's going to be giving a program from 11 to noon, and it's um, for families. Children of all ages, she says, but you know, so it's certainly kid friendly and it's going to be talking about what bees do and what are the important things that bees provide to us as humans. What's the reason why we ought to be friendly to bees? So, Bee Friends, Saturday, September the 10th. And then the Goosebump exhibit continues the science of fear, and it's been very popular. Uh, great exhibit. If you've not seen it yet, you need to get down there. And the aquariums were looking wonderful the last time I was in there. So it'd be worth, if you've not sat down and chilled in front of the aquariums for a while, this might be a good time to do it. You can take a quick walk on the nature trails and then sit down and enjoy the fish. Uh, Our guest today, Scott Lemons, is uh, a fisheries 
biologist and has dealt with a lot of cool fish. We were, I mentioned alligator gar to him a minute ago. I always like to go check on the alligator gar at the museum. So he's a, a nice big one and a calm guy. Never seems to get in too big a hurry, <laughs> except when every now and then he wants to grab a fish. So he's, yeah. Anyway, aquariums, nature trails, lots of fun at the museum. All right, very good. Our guest today is Scott Lemons, Director of Freshwater Programs at the Nature Conservancy of Mississippi. Scott, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for having me today. Uh, if you would, first tell us about the nature, the nature Conservancy and sort of what their mission is. Conserving the, the lands, air, and water on upon which all life depends. Uh, we're a total land-based conservation organization, and we're committed to restoring Mississippi to its natural habitats. And I think uh, from uh, discussions on previous programs, I think one of the interesting things is um, the, the sort of the public-private partnership is, is really one of the things that makes the Nature Conservancy go, if you could talk about that. Absolutely. Um, the majority of, of the work that we do, whether it be on public land, private land, um, it's all partner-based. Uh, we work a lot with uh, the federal government. We work a lot with private landowners. We partner with the state. You know, what, whatever it takes to protect critical habitat for uh, wildlife species within Mississippi. Uh, you know, no projects too big, no projects too small. And I think that it's almost maybe like you're the the grease that oils the wheel. I mean, all these different uh, public entities and private entities, uh, and maybe you're there to kind of the 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 binder, I guess, make to make sure that the the, the um, you know advance the idea of conservation. We do. We do. Uh, a large portion of our work is to facilitate projects, um, and and that can include land acquisition for. Uh, uh, public lands. Uh, we've worked with the federal government a lot to acquire properties uh, that have eventually become uh, national wildlife refuges. Uh, we've worked with the state before uh, to acquire lands that have become wildlife management areas. Uh, so we, we do a lot of work to facilitate uh, uh, conservation projects and land acquisition within the state. So how long have you been in the Nature Conservancy? I came to TNC uh, just under three years ago. Okay. And has this type of work always been something that you've been interested in? It it has. Uh, I was previously a biologist for the federal government for 11 years before I came to TNC, so it, it's been a lifelong passion of mine. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Scott Lemons. He is the Director of Freshwater Programs at the Nature Conservancy of Mississippi. We're going to be talking about the uh, Conservation Enhancement Program this hour. Uh, if you've got a question about the Nature Conservancy and their work, uh, or if you have some wildlife questions or observations, we've got some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can always send us an email. It's animals at mpbonline.org. So what does the Director of Freshwater Programs do? Anything and everything that has to do with freshwater conservation in Mississippi. It can involve uh, uh, efforts to improve water quality, uh, wetland restoration projects, uh, projects to improve fisheries habitat, um, reforestation efforts, um, conservation easements, land acquisition, any and all of the above. <laughs> you know, Scott, you might expand on something like when we say improving water quality, 
what what really can you do to improve water quality? There are things you do. Tell them a little there bit. There are. Um, implementing conservation easements to reduce the amount of sediment that enters uh, rivers and streams. Uh, try to reduce the volume of erosion and reduce the volume of sediment moving down our river systems. Um, and the Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program, excuse me, is a primary example of that. It's a voluntary land retirement program that helps agricultural producers protect environmentally sensitive lands, decrease erosion, restore wildlife habitat, and it helps to safeguard our ground and surface water resources. Um, this particular program, we, we catered to uh, 11 of the Delta counties, basically those counties that are within the Yazoo River Basin watershed. Um, and, and we offer uh, a number of practices, a, a number of conservation practices uh, that basically involve putting conservation easements in between, uh, or excuse me, conservation practices in between the edge of the farm field and the tributaries and streams and waterways that, that border the that, uh flow into the Yazoo River system. So in other words, you're saying that uh, uh, sort of a borderland or area that's between the farmland, say, and and, and uh, a waterway, and then uh, I'm, I'm getting the impression that maybe try to revert that land revert back that into back a Revert that back to conservation, uh, planting native grasses, planting trees, a buffer strip, basically, in between agricultural fields and, and uh, our tributaries and waterways. You know, that's important, too, between um, a highway complex or even a, a housing development. Absolutely. Anything where you've got, when you think about all the stuff that can run down into a water system, when we tend to walk across a creek or be it a, a lake or anything like that, a body of water, when it's not raining, right? But it's when you get those really heavy rain events, that's when anything's going to wash in there. If you've put a big load of fertilizer on your yard, you don't want all that running off into the creek. Or if somebody's been working on cars and there's uh, petrochemical pollution or you got oil or something, you don't want all that coming into waterway. But it's going to, you mm-hmm. know, it's all going to end up, everything ends up downstream. That's correct. Unless you make a concerted effort to have, basically, you've got streamside vegetation that catches all that stuff. Keeps slows it from the going flow, down. Yeah, it slows the flow of the water and helps that set, filter that sediment out before it enters, before it enters our river systems. But I'm, I'm guessing it's it's a, contra, um, a a comprehensive approach. I would imagine possibly at the same time uh, that type of program is going on. You're maybe also working with farmers on more environmentally friendly ways to do what they need to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we work with a number of farmers. Uh, with projects that would include, you know, say a tailwater recovery system, basically, where they're capturing surface water that falls on the field instead of having that water run off directly into a waterway, it goes into basically a, a, what we consider a recovery ditch. And uh, that water is then can then be utilized to pump back onto the ag fields for irrigation purposes. 
We need to take uh, a a quick break. Uh, When we get back, we'll continue talking to Scott Lemons. We're talking today about, uh, in general, the Nature Conservancy and their work, specifically the first conservation enhancement program that's going on and what it is all about. We're looking for your comments and questions. Join the conversation with your call at 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. You can send us an email. It's animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more of the show after this. MPB seeks an experienced multimedia journalist to produce NPR-style news stories and features on issues of local and regional interest. And be comfortable and competent with social media and reporting on multiple platforms. More information at mpbonline.org slash more slash careers. MPB is getting its very own car tag. But first, we need your help. To begin production, we need 300 of you to say yes to the tag. Go to mpbonline.org slash car tag for more information and also to sign up. A portion of the fee goes to help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you on the road. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Our guest today is Scott Lemons, director of freshwater programs at the Nature Conservancy of Mississippi. And out of the traffic jam uh, that's plaguing the Metro Jackson area, we've got uh, Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center, is with us as well. So if you have a question about your pet this morning, or as we're talking uh, about the work of the Nature Conservancy, and specifically the Conservation Enhancement Program, uh, you can call in. The Phone lines are open, and the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, Scott, I think I guess another thing that um, when you have a program like we were talking about, sort of creating this buffer zone between uh, waterways and, and, and more uh, developed land for either, I guess, neighborhoods or farms or that sort of thing, uh, it, it, that buffer zone helps keep our, our waters clean, but I would imagine it's also a place where wildlife can thrive. So that's maybe not the intended purpose, but it's a great kind of byproduct. Absolutely, absolutely. These uh, these conservation buffers uh, are excellent wildlife habitat. Uh, for instance, the the three practices that we implement within uh, with the the conservation reserve enhancement program. Uh, one is a riparian forest buffer. 
the second is a wetlands restoration option, and the third is uh, bottomland har- uh, timber hardwood establishment on wetlands. All three of these practices are, are excellent, provide excellent habitat uh, for wildlife species such as Louisiana black bear. They provide excellent habitat for migratory waterfowl, uh, popular game species such as white-tailed deer, eastern wild turkey, bobwhite quail. And they also have excellent benefits as far as is improving water quality, as we said earlier, for species such as uh, alligator gar, uh, the paddlefish, freshwater mussels, and, and numerous numerous freshwater game fish species. And I think you mentioned with this uh, first conservation enhancement program, you're working primarily in, in the Mississippi Delta. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, th- this uh, program was catered to uh, counties within the Yazoo River Basin. Uh, so uh, counties that are eligible to apply for these conservation practices uh, include Washington, Sharkey, Issaquina, Bolivar, Humphreys, Holmes County, Yazoo, Cahoma, Sunflower, LaFleur, and Tallahatchie counties. Okay. And so uh, by applying, what uh, they get some kind of assistance? What what exactly uh, it happens there? They do. Uh, this program, it's under the USDA Farm Service Agency. Uh, landowners who are interested in applying can go to their USDA office within the county in which the property is located. Uh, now... The way that TNC got involved with this program is, is we reached out to a number of producers. Uh, you know, CRP pra- regular CRP practices have been popular for, for, I don't know, going on 20, 25 years now. But we discussed with a number of producers what would it take to incentivize some of these practices to get landowners more involved and more excited about taking marginal agricultural land out of production and putting it back into conservation. And basically what we came up with was uh, a sign-up incentive payment that would help offset the cost of taking that land out of agricultural production. So the Nature Conservancy reached out to private donors, and we raised enough funding to be able to implement enrollment of up to 4,000 acres uh, under this under these conservation reserve enhancement practices. So I was going to ask that, but then obviously the incentive here for the landowners is there's a little bit of compensation. There, you're basically saying if you agree to take this land out of production and create this buffer, we will compensate you uh, for your whatever your monetary loss might have been. That, that is correct. Uh, it, the, the difference between the conservation reserve enhancement program and a, a regular CRP program the CRP program is a 15-month enrollment. Uh, the CREP program is as well, where the landowner receives a sole rental rate annually uh, from the federal government. But in the case of the Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program, uh, two of the practices, we offer a one-time $200 per acre sign-up incentive payment. Uh, the wetlands restoration, off, uh, uh, wetlands restoration option offers a $150 uh, one-time sign-up incentive payment. So, um, with the conservation enhancement program, is this, as I said, it's sort of like a pilot project. So, is this something uh, that you studied over the next several years to see how it goes, and then possibly uh, to expand it on a wider scale? That that's definitely a possibility. This is Mississippi's first conservation reserve enhancement program, and we basically modeled it off of Louisiana's program when we brought this this program to Mississippi. Uh, so, we. En- enrollment began last year. We finally got the approvals uh, to start coming in in February of this year. Uh, so between February of this year and I think June was the last uh, uh, the last report that I received, we've enrolled just under a thousand acres 
and conservation in, in these uh, Delta counties that border the Yazoo River. So it, it looks as though the, the program has become very popular with, with Delta producers. So you mentioned that part of what the Nature Conservancy had done was to go out and, and, and find the, the financial resources to kind of help make this program go from private donors. What else does the Nature Conservancy do once these programs, I mean, do you offer technical advice to these farm owners? We do. We offer technical advice, uh, a lot of outreach. Uh, any time that, that any landowner has any questions, all they have to do is, is uh Call the Jackson office. Uh, excuse me. I, well, actually, we, we just recently moved to a Madison office. Uh, that phone number is 601-713-3355. And as for Scott Lemons, I'll be more than happy to discuss uh, each of these practices. I'll be more than happy to make a site visit out to a landowner's property, uh, get them in touch with the appropriate uh, USDA office for enrollment interest. Um, a- anything that we can do to help, we're more than happy to. That's our goal. That's our mission. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Scott Lemons, Director of Freshwater Programs at the Nature Conservancy of Mississippi. We're talking about the Conservation Enhancement Program. Uh, Also, Dr. Major is here, ready to take some pet questions, and we've got some open phone lines. So if you'd like to call in and join our conversation today, the number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. You mentioned that this is kind of modeled after something that uh, took place or a program in Louisiana. <clears throat> um, have you? Is there any evidence of of, of success of, of of these programs doing some good? Yes, there is. Uh, all of, I, I, I don't know the exact acreage on Louisiana's Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program, but it, it was successful. Uh, and like I said, th- this is our first. Uh, uh, this is our first opportunity to implement uh, uh, a conservation reserve enhancement program in Mississippi. So within the last six months, with the landowner interest in the enrollment that we've received, I, I, I foresee it being a very, very strong conservation program. And it appears to be uh, it, it appears that there's very strong landowner interest within within the counties that this program is eligible. From your experience, the landowners, obviously, as we mentioned, they're getting some sort of compensation, so I think that's part of the incentive for doing this. But uh, do you see sort of in general landowners in Mississippi as being a group that is concerned about uh, conservation, about preserving the environment? Absolutely, absolutely. Our, our, our landowners in Mississippi, that you know, they realize the need to protect and and conserve our natural resources, um, and our, our our farmers as well. They they realize that you know the land is their living, and and that's what you know they have to conserve uh, our soil and water resources and our natural resources in order in order for uh, you know so that we'll have. We'll have these things available for future generations, and uh, uh, these these practices uh, really work to improve water quality uh, by establishing conservation practices within you know priority watersheds such as Yazoo Basin, and they also provide critical habitat for numerous species of wildlife. You know some of which that are listed as threatened or endangered. 
You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're talking today with Scott Lemons, Director of Freshwater Programs at the Nature Conservancy of Mississippi. If you have a question for Scott about the work of the Nature Conservancy, you can give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Call us at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Dr. Major's here ready to take some pet questions. Dr. Major, we also want to talk a little bit today about breeding your pet. Uh, if you have a dog or cat and are interested in, well, if you're interested in breeding, I guess, are there some things that you would look for when getting a dog or cat to purebred, that sort of thing, I guess? Sure. And uh, a, a lot of the things that enter into this, one is the actual willingness and knowing what you're, do, what you're getting into. A lot of times people have a pet and they say, well, we'd love to have puppies, we'd love to have kittens, but they aren't prepared to take care of them. This would be more like on a family basis. And there is some positive things that can be uh, learned from having a litter of kittens or puppies. On the other hand, there's just a tremendous number of unwanted pets uh, that wind up either being uh, put up for adoption or euthanized every year. So be very careful with that and research and know what you're getting into. As far as pure purebred pets, uh, that's a whole different story. And uh, there's some uh, good information available both online and in books so that you can understand what might be done. We have some good, uh, uh, what shall I say, breeders in, in, in this area and most of the ones that I know very carefully, only just a, two or three litters, maybe in a year or less, uh, but they actually take the puppies, if they're puppies, and uh, uh, very careful about placing them uh, with a good home. So these are all things that you have to consider first. And some things with litter size, some of the labs or Great Danes, this sort of thing, may have 10, 12 puppies. Uh, so that's a big job. So it's it it sounds great, but a lot of times there are complications. And my suggestion would be to go into it after you've thoroughly researched it and be committed. Let's go back to that uh, that first scenario you talked about because I think that probably is is fairly popular. Of you know the family pet and, and you want to have uh, kittens or puppies or whatever. Uh, and some of the things to to think about uh, the, the first of which you mentioned the the litter size. Uh, you know I could imagine uh, if a family has a, a a dog who who has twelve puppies that's that's quite a a, a bit of uh, space at least. And then uh, what are some other things to to kind of consider? Uh, obviously the care for the the little ones right. will come in as well. Right. Uh, a lot of the uh, litters at home are accidental, to be honest with you. Uh, people did not plan ahead. Uh, they did not spay or neuter their pets. And then you have an accidental litter, I guess would be the best way to put it. And a lot of these uh, work out okay, and a lot of them can have some issues. Uh, even under the best circumstances, there can be some issues with pregnancy. Uh, but I guess... I'm not trying to discourage it other than the fact that there are uh, really opportunities to adopt animals uh, that are in need of adoption uh, that would be uh, advised. Uh, cats, for example, so many of the domestic short hair cats, the regular cats that we see, so many of those are accidental litters. In other words, the uh, female goes outside and mates, mm -hmm. and this can be a very... Uh, uh, what should I say, comes in and you find out that she's pregnant, and then what do you do? So I, I recommend spaying and neuter, neutering on a, uh, across the board unless there are 
special plans made to take care and research has been done and you know what you're getting into. Yeah, I think you're right. Obviously, the way we kind of let our cats behave and roam and that sort of thing, you would you would see where the accidental uh, litters might be more common. You know, a dog is maybe usually confined in a backyard where I right. say we let our cats kind of go wherever they want to go sometimes. Right. Uh, as far as the purebred uh, animals, uh, we recommend uh, certainly uh, for the breeders, the people that breed the animals, to be very careful about where the animals are placed. Most of the ones that I know in recent history, uh, uh, clients at the clinic, uh, they're very particular about where they let their pets go. And usually they don't advertise uh, as far as, hey, uh, online. If you go online, you'll see all these fancy uh, websites with uh, puppies and everything. And a lot of those could be from a puppy mill, uh, this sort of situation, as opposed to uh, animals that are kept in homes and are well socialized. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with uh, Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest is Scott Lemons from the Nature Conservancy. We're going to take a quick break. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a pet question uh, generally or specifically about breeding pets, or if you have a question about the work of the Nature Conservancy and the Conservation Enhancement Programs, you can give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is one 877 672-7464. Send us an email. It's animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more Creature Comforts after this. Conventions are over, candidates have been nominated, and with less than three months to Election Day. You don't know what's going to happen between now and then, but we'll be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Coming up on MPB's At Issue. Kemper controversy. Per megawatt hour, this is the most expensive electric generating facility in the world. Mississippi Power calls it the world's most advanced coal plant. If it were to work, then we might have a viable fix for how to clean up coal plants. But it's billions of dollars over budget and behind schedule. There's certainly no reason to continue to throw good money after bad. We take a closer look at the Kemper County Energy Facility on At Issue this Friday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with Scott Lemons, director of freshwater programs at the Nature Conservancy of Mississippi. If you have a question about uh, the work of the Nature Conservancy or a pet question for Dr. Major, uh, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 
672-7464. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We had a, a caller leave a question uh, that uh, Tom had wanted to know. Uh, Scott, your stance on fishing and hunting, whether it is ethical or not. Does the Nature Conservancy have uh, kind of a, 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 an issue or a stance on that? Uh, we, we absolutely promote hunting and fishing in the state of Mississippi. Um, hunt, hunting is a necessary part of wildlife management here within the state, and we are very much in favor of, of uh, public opportunities for hunters and fishermen within the state. Okay. As you say, it's uh, it's regulated and it helps control uh, animal populations, I guess. Correct. And, and there are people. I, I mean, I, many people. I think actually consume that the the you know the the meat that they get while hunting. So that's uh, interesting to see that it's, it does kind of work in there with the whole idea of conservation. Got some calls on the line, so we will begin uh, with uh, Kathleen calling in from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Hey, hi guys. Uh, I got a question. Probably everybody's had someone. <laughs> About three months ago, dropped off a cat that found its way back to my place. I already have a kitten caboodle of cats, so I don't need another cat. This one's kind of special. He's huge. I'm only 5'4". When he sits, his head comes up to my knee. Uh, I call him BB for big boy. Um, he was apparently attacked by a raccoon. Nursed him back over that. He's doing okay. But he will not really let you get too attached or close or touch him down the back or around his face. I would like to get some information on how can I find this boy a good home. He's really too beautiful and too big to just dispose of. And um, I can't take him in. And I don't like to see him out there in the wild possibly getting um, attacked by a raccoon again or something. Sure. This is a difficult situation in a lot of cases. First of all, you're unable to pick him up, this sort of thing, right? Oh, no. Right. He has just allowed me, in his grace, to scratch the top of his head. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Here's here's the real problem, finding somebody that would take this cat and adopt him. Uh, basically, I consider him to be your cat now. You've been feeding him for three months and have nursed him back to health. Yeah, uh, and, so does he. And uh, I would, yeah, and it's going to be difficult to find someone who will take that cat and, and take care of him. Mm-hmm. I wish I had better advice uh, for you to actually take him to. Uh, well, here, here's part B to that question. Yes. I can say this is a theory, okay, that there might be a neighbor that is trapping cats knowingly whether they're yours stray or whatever yes some even that you know had collars tags and whatever and i was um informed well he don't kill them but he rides them that's just as bad to me because this poor boy he's so scared to death i dropped a little bit of chicken in his bowl out there just to see if he would eat something to help get his muscle mass back. Right. And uh, he was so scared he jumped back and hid in the bushes. Right. You know, when you say rides, in other words, he traps the cats and takes them five, oh, yeah. ten miles away and dumps them out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I understand what you're saying. Not my kind of guy. Right. Uh, very difficult situation. I don't know how to tell you to handle that, but uh, I guess if you had uh, someone she could contact... Uh, I know of no one that I could direct you. Well, I know who I can contact, but the problem is I keep getting asked, did you see him? 
I'm 65. I'm disabled. Right. I don't walk all that fast. Sure. And uh, the chance of me actually seeing it would be slim and none. Okay. Well, I wish I could help you. Uh, uh, just talk to friends and see if you can find someone. Well, if anybody out there knows how to remedy this situation or has an idea, if they call the station, just leave their number. Okay. I would be most interested into talking to them because this little boy, big boy, uh, really deserves a shot because he's trying his best to be nice. Yes, ma'am. And... Um, I just don't like this disposable life attitude they have sometimes. Sure. Thank you. I appreciate your call. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Kathleen. You know, let me add a personal note here uh, and something to piggyback on what Dr. Major had mentioned earlier, and that is the importance of spaying and neutering our pets because uh, the cat I have uh, was found out in the bushes here at uh, MPB, uh, abandoned, and, you know, crying and no food and and you know kind of weak and that sort of thing and and he's made a great pet for me but it's it's kind of sad that there are people that will you know just dump cats on neighbors porches or, or take them out in the the middle of the wildlife or the middle of the woods or whatever and dump them off and that sort of thing so um you know i would again <clears throat> um emphasize what dr major said if you're a pet owner be a responsible one uh, let's not have unwanted pets uh, roaming around out there because it's 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 not very humane at least so uh, off my soapbox there and back to the phone lines we go uh gladys has called in from jackson this morning hello gladys Good morning, uh, Dr. Major. So what, what can neighbors do to help someone who has a barking dog that is a barker? And I mean, eight hours a day. Okay. Is primarily at night or during the day? Uh, every time they leave the house. Okay. Uh, have, has anybody approached them and talked to them about this? I do not know. Yeah. I don't know exactly where the dog right. is. I'd have right. to get out and ride around. Right, but it gets to be it gets to be a real issue, especially in a, a neighborhood that's uh-huh. uh, close together. Uh, I would try to find out uh, if these people are approachable. Uh, there should be an ordinance also uh, from the standpoint of nuisance dog. Yeah, uh, and there are some things that can be done uh, to help uh, a dog not bark like this. So I don't know what to what to tell you other than what? need to find the source. And uh, approach them, uh, maybe not by yourself, but uh, with some other people that are annoyed with this. Uh-huh. And uh, yes, uh, what what uh, it, it it seems to be the motors of the cars that bother him when they leave. Yes. I wonder if they'd leave him a recording of that motor and he'd go to sleep thinking he was riding. Could be. I don't know. That's a good good point. <laughs> I've never heard of trying that before. But it sounds like he's got severe separation anxiety is what uh-huh. kind of what you're saying. But uh, uh-huh. it is a nuisance. And uh, try to find the source and hopefully can come up with some agreement that would help. Okay. Thank thanks. you for your call. All right. Uh-huh. Good to hear from you, Gladys. Uh, let's move on next uh, on Creature Comforts to a call from Ernestine. Good morning. Good morning. What's your question? Yes. I got a sick cat. Her name is Ashley. She had uh, four... Um, kids about 10 days ago and she's not here very well and she looked very frail and she has some kind of little clear uh, very thick like saliva coming out of her mouth a little bit coming out of her mouth and, and she's not eating and drinking like she should. Yes ma'am uh, how are the kittens? Are the kittens okay? The kittens is very healthy like okay. but uh, she's not doing very well. Right. 
Uh, the best thing I can tell you, and I know this uh, is a simplified answer, but she really needs to be seen by a veterinarian in your area. She could have several things wrong with her. There could be complications after she had the kitten, such as a uh, infection of a uterus, uh, or she could have some other viral-type disease, which could cause her to be sick like this. But if she's not eating, uh, she's going to get in pretty bad shape uh, quickly. So she's drooling. There may be ulcers in her mouth or something like this, but I would recommend, if you can, get her in to see your vet, okay? Okay. That'd be the best thank thing you could do. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines if you have a pet question for Dr. Major or a question for Scott Lemons of the Nature Conservancy. Uh, give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Major, we're talking about uh, breeding pets, and I guess there are probably both uh, dog and cat organizations. I know when you go to dog shows and cat shows and that sort of thing. So I guess if, if someone were interested in, in trying to become a breeder or start breeding uh, their pet, one of those groups uh, might be a good place to go first for information and, and to start that research you were talking about. It certainly would. Uh, and what, is, what are the purposes of a dog uh, organization or uh, association? Basically, it's to improve the breed. Uh, that would be my main, uh, I think, the main goal of both the cats and uh, the dog associations. Uh, there are some people that are in it strictly for the money. Uh, they want to produce numbers. But in general, the breeders are trying to improve the breed by selecting uh, animals that are sound and uh, that can be uh, an improvement to the breed. Same thing is true with cats. Cats are a little more difficult, uh, and a lot has been done. If you look on TV at the different cat breeds, there's a whole new era of cat breeds. Uh, used to be like you thought there was like five or six breeds. There must be 30 or 40 now of the different cats. So uh, that would be the conscientious thing to do would be to search out, if you were going to do purebred animals, search out the breed associations. And uh, actually, there's a lot of... Good information with them. Uh, we've got a caller on the line. It looks like another pet question. So we go to Mary in Pascagoula. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Yes, I'm concerned about my little dog that uh, be bothered with constipation real bad. And yesterday I saw that she passed blood while she was uh, trying to yes. use the bathroom. So um, I'm trying to... Uh, is there some simple remedy for the constipation? She eats right. a lot. She loves that duck jerky. <laughs> right. And I'm wondering if that is uh, what is causing the right. constipation. How old is she? Uh, she's about eight or nine right. years old. Do you feed her any bones? Not much. Right. Um, a right. few years ago, I used to, right. but I stopped. And... Uh, well, quite frankly, I'd be concerned. Uh, are you seeing any stool past? In other words, when she strains to try to go, are you seeing anything past? Uh, no. In other words, if you saw any stool, would it be hard or would it be runny? Oh, oh okay. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it, it is hard. Okay. Here's the thing. If she's bleeding and 
and this is a default, but if she's bleeding, you need to get her in to see a vet. There could be some things going on. She could have a tumor uh, in her intestinal tract or in her colon, uh, uh-huh. but straining is not right. I mean, she, should, she shouldn't be constipated. So, uh, you know, uh, simple constipation can be treated like in a human with using some milk and magnesia, even okay. some mineral oil. That's what I was wondering. But I am concerned about the fact that she's bleeding, uh-huh. and uh, that can be serious, okay? Yeah, so okay. So I follow right. up with a, a visit to your vet. Okay. Thank Take care. You. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Mary. Let's take one final break on Creature Comforts this hour. This is uh, Kevin Farrell with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest today is Scott Lemons, Director of Freshwater Programs at the Nature Conservancy of Mississippi. We've got some open phone lines, so give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation, and we'll be back to wrap things up after this. You have a big decision to make on November 8th. A date which will live in infamy. We will keep this promise to the American people. Be informed. Listen to this station every day. Daily at 4 on NPB Think Radio. There's a lot to be discovered about Mississippi. Like the little-known places you can visit on a Mississippi road trip. Or where to find a local brewery for a unique experience. Every Friday morning at 10, we take you on an hour-long journey through Mississippi. It's music, cuisine, culture, and history. And you never know where our next stop will be. I'm Mary Margaret Miller. And I'm Sharia Brent. Be sure to join us Friday mornings at 10 for Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. We're visiting today with our guest Scott Lemons. He's Director of Freshwater Programs at the Nature Conservancy of Mississippi. We've been talking today about the Conservation Enhancement Program that's uh, going on in the Mississippi Delta where uh, landowners agree to uh, return some of their land back to a more natural state uh, in order to promote uh, conservation and to uh, promote uh, clean waterways and a number of other benefits. Uh, Scott, we've talked about the Nature Conservancy and the work that they do. Uh, if someone is listening, wants to find out more information, possibly make a, a contribution or something along those lines, how can they find out more about the Nature Conservancy? You can uh, go to our, our website at www.conserve.ms. You can also uh, give us a call at 601-713-3355. 
Okay. And I guess the Nature Conservancy is a national organization with uh, chapters, as it were, in each state? There's chapters in all 50 states. We're actually a global organization. We're located in 32 countries worldwide. Okay. And I imagine, you know, we talked about kind of uh, sharing and, and, and uh, partnering and that kind of thing, but uh, not only among private and, and, and public partnerships, but you can learn from other chapters. You had mentioned uh, that uh, this the Conservation Enhancement Program had been tried out in in Louisiana, so you can you can share intelligence, I guess, that way as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, working with your partners, whether they be private entities, state, federal, um, corporate, you know, l- learn from each other. You know, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't, um, and, and then just build upon those efforts, build upon those partnerships, and uh, we do what we can to improve conservation opportunities. We got another caller on the line, so let's head back uh, to say good morning to Janet in Memphis. Hello, Janet. Hi. How are you all? Good. Um, cool. I just have a comment. I don't have a question about the cat that the lady was talking about. It's she sounds like she's describing a savanna cat. They're very tall. They, they even can get up up to your shoulders if they lift their paws up. And I, you know, maybe if she can. I, I bet anybody, the neighbor didn't do it. I think this time somebody knew she had cats. They didn't want the Savannah cat anymore, so they put it outside her house. So um, that's my thought. Now, right. you could probably advertise it or, or um, you know, tell her friend, sure. word of mouth, that it's a, it's a Savannah cat. She'd have to, I guess, confirm it with a vet. But that's what I'm thinking. Right. Well, that's a good good thought and certainly certainly a possibility. Appreciate your call. Thanks, Thank you. Janet. Uh, that does make good sense if it's a somewhat of an unusual cat uh, that uh, might be an easier way to find somebody to, to take a home for it. So uh, we've got some open phone lines left and a few minutes left in the show. So if you'd like to call in, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send us an email, animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, Dr. Major, did I hear you mention earlier that uh, <laughs> let me just found a picture of a Savannah cat on her iPhone? I mean, this one is so <laughs> tall he could cook. He actually has stood up and his face is, on, is right there at the burner of the stove. That's a gigantic cat. My burnish whiskers off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That is that is a big cat. You're right. That's right. that's an incredible picture right. there. Uh, but uh, you said uh, dogs have a little bit easier uh, reproducing than cats do. Gosh, that's a good question. Dogs have larger litters, uh, certainly, and uh, it, it depends on the breed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some breeds that only have three or four puppies. Some have ten to twelve every time. Uh, cats usually have two to four. They may have five. Uh, but as far as breeding and all this, the, the dogs usually have no complications. But the problem with the casual breeder, if there is such a thing, is that a lot of times they're not prepared for problems. Sometimes uh, you have a large puppy, a dog cannot have it, you have to have a C-section. So you're talking about considerable expense there. So you need to think these things out before you, before you breed. Most of the time you find the dog has had the puppies in the closet or somewhere like that, you mm-hmm. know without any problems, but be careful with what you wish for. Uh, this is somewhat of a delicate uh, question, I guess, but uh, how do you do? You put them in the same room together and play romantic music? I mean, how do you get uh, pets to breed? Well, in, in fact, there are some cases where they can't or won't. 
a lot of times dogs that are uh, in the same household will not will not breed even though people want them to. Usually nature finds a way and takes care of that, so uh, they don't have to be trained or taught. So that that usually takes care of itself. Oh, that's that's like the old show. That's why they call them animals, I think, was a tagline there. Uh, let's go to Sam, who's called in from Tupelo this morning. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know, and you may already know all about it, but there is a disease. Um, cats get it to some extent. Horses, dogs get it. It's called pithiosis, and um, it's similar to a fungus. They get it in ditches, drainage ditches, that type thing. Um, I had my dog. She was losing weight. She wouldn't eat. She couldn't use the bathroom. She couldn't poop. And um, after three visits and almost $1,000 in vet, vet bills, um, the vet said, well, we think she has pithiosis. It's fatal. Um, there's no test for it. You can take her to Mississippi State, and they might do a biopsy. Right. Yeah, but it's all, she said, you know, it's always fatal. I've never seen a dog live through it. So I got on the Internet, and there's a company out in Texas called Pan Vet that does a test. Auburn University also does the test. Right. I had the test done, and the dog did test positive for pithiosis. Right. And um, there's also the guy out in Texas has immunotherapy. And I gave my dog two rounds of immunotherapy, two rounds of three shots each, and she is back to normal health. Well, that's great. great. So, you know, I great. had basically a dog that was dying and, right. and got her back well. And I just want people to know if, they, if their dog has pithiosis, there is a test. It's not that expensive, and there is a treatment. Right. Okay, right, Sam. For you. Great. I, no, I appreciate your call. And there are other places that can test for that. LSU. I know can test for it. Uh, I'm not sure if Mississippi State can, but uh, they may send that out. But I appreciate your call, and, and thanks for the information. And, yeah, I mean, that's uh, obviously if your pet is sick like that, you know, go go there with the Internet and that sort of thing, all kinds of uh, opportunities to make sure that you've covered all bases and, and try to figure out what the problem is. <clears throat> so, obviously, we've only got a minute or so left to kind of wrap up our breeding uh, conversation, Dr. Major. This is something that if you decide to do this, your vet needs to be, uh, you know, well uh, involved and, and possibly regular checkups along the way. Absolutely. I think it's a wise thing to consult with your veterinarian about this and make sure that you understand the uh, the different possibilities that it can occur. Usually most everything works out fine, but there are some difficulties sometimes. So that's that's something that you have to and, – and one thing to think about the household pet, let's say, sometimes the personalities will change after having had uh, puppies, for example. So these are all things that you need to take into consideration uh, before doing it. Good thought. The bottom line, again, is it seems like a good idea, but uh, there is a lot involved. So do some research uh, before you uh, decide to uh, to breed your pet if you want to go down that road. Absolutely. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, and the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Funding is provided in part by the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science Foundation and contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Jonas Adams, and our call screener today was Sharita Brent. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Scott Lemons, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White and Sam Wells. That's followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for Creature Comforts right here on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.